Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. We have breaking news we need to get to. The phone lines are open, 877-973-7425. Breaking news, the judge in Delaware has just rejected the Hunter Biden criminal plea. I want to play you a couple of pieces of audio. This first, we'll do MSNBC. Uh, of all things, yeah, we're going to do MSNBC and first. Justice and the son of the President of the United States, Robert Hunter Biden, have no deal. That's what was just stated in court. Both sides are taking a 10-minute recess right now to see if they can agree to terms on the plea agreement. Starting about 11 a.m., the judge started to question whether or not a provision in the agreements, this pretrial diversion on the gun charge, and as well, and we're just finding this out now, and I ask the audience patience with this because we haven't been able to see these court documents today. But apparently, as part of the pretrial diversion agreement for the gun charge that Hunter Biden faces, there are additional tax charges that are covered in that, meaning that they won't be brought should he abide by the terms of that pretrial diversion agreement. The judge questions that and says, look, the pretrial diversion agreement is outside of my purview, but yet it's referenced in the sentence in the in the uh, prosecute in the plea agreement, excuse me, between the two parties. And she questioned the government and said, you're asking me to approve and accept. Uh, line cut out here. That That's fine. We'll get back to it. She essentially said she um, you're asking me to approve a deal that has a pretrial diversion component that is tied to waiving additional tax charges and would wipe them out. Uh, this is a little more from CNN as it broke earlier today. Where from the Hunter Biden plea deal hearing, our Kara just ran out from inside the court. Well, let me see if I can. I can. Sorry, folks, I'm in a different studio today, and the uh, wireless connection in the Wi-Fi has kind of ground to a halt. Uh, to a halt. So let me see if I can run this off the hotspot on my phone real quick and get you a little bit better uh, audio from CNN. Wilmington, Delaware, from the Hunter Biden plea deal hearing. Our Kara Scannell just ran out from inside the courtroom. Kara, bring us up to speed. Yeah, John. So as we, as I went back into the courtroom, the hearing had just begun again. The judge was back on the bench, and she was pressing the prosecution on this investigation and the four corners of this plea agreement. One of the prosecutors said that the investigation was very much ongoing, and that she asked him, "Well, what is not covered in this plea agreement? If you are leaving the possibility for there being other future charges?" So then the judge said, "Would this include a possible?" Farad charge that's not registering as a foreign agent. The prosecutor said no, the deal would not include that. It was at that point that she had said to the prosecution, um, you know, if you were not good, if you can charge that, then what does this mean? And the prosecutors, she asked Hunter Biden's attorneys about that, and he said, well, then there's no deal. And the prosecutor said, then there is no deal. So Biden's team said that the plea agreement, as far as they understood it, was now null and void. They were moving ahead to talk about what the next steps would be in this case. So as of right now, the deal appears to be dead and off the table. Now that scene, and let me go back to uh, Tom Winter here on MSNBC. This plea agreement, but yet I've got this pretrial. Div- uh, let's see. Well. This is the MSNBC clip itself. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to run these pretty fast. This is all happening right now. ...that's hanging out there. And is it your understanding, Hunter Biden, that 
you know, if, if there's some sort of a break in the agreement here, uh, are you willing to still move forward as far as the difference between the pretrial diversion agreement and the plea agreement? Hunter Biden said, no, Your Honor. The two sides meet at exactly 11 a.m. Chris Clark, who represents Hunter Biden, goes over to the prosecution. The judge took a 10-minute recess there, and he said, and this is a quote, we'll rip it up. We'll tear up this agreement right then. The two sides got back together again after that 10, 15-minute recess and said, look, we agree now that the pretrial diversion is separate from all of this. And with respect to the plea agreement, the only reason why we reference this pretrial diversion agreement is just to say that when you cut to sentencing guidelines, which is this idea of uh, what eventually a sentence Hunter Biden should get for the misdemeanor tax offenses, that you can't include the gun charge into that. Everything seemed to be okay at that point. But then the judge asked, look, there's an ongoing investigation here. Government says yes, they agree. They say, what does that ongoing investigation involve? They say they can't talk about it. Okay, so let's flesh all of this stuff out now. Now that we've got all this, you've got the context. The Hunter Biden wanted to proceed uh, despite the the gun charges being disconnected from the tax stuff. The judge forced out some language. Hunter Biden was willing to do it. But, 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 but. In the ongoing hearing, and this is where things get sticky, there are the issues of Hunter Biden acting as a foreign agent, and he did not register. So in the United States of America, if you are operating on behalf of serving the interests of a foreign government, you must register. It's called FARA, the Foreign Agent Registration Act. I have a friend who got tripped up in this years ago because uh, he was doing some work, very minor work, for a soccer league in Malaysia. But the Malaysian government owned the soccer league. He didn't realize it. He never registered as a a foreign agent for Malaysia and uh, got caught when there was an audit of an outside league. He got caught. The federal government actually, they didn't fine him or anything. They just said, you got to register and make it retroactive. That's all he had to do. Uh, But... It was just this one-off thing, and they kind of got it. This situation is is more because Hunter Biden has served on the board of Burisma and taken money from Burisma for consulting. He's also done work in China with the Chinese government, and he never registered despite warnings that he needed to register from what we know in the public record. So the judge in the hearing this morning asks the prosecution if the investigation is ongoing. The prosecutor says yes. The judge asks, what's it about? And the prosecutor says, we can't say. So the judge asks, is FARA contemplated, the Foreign Agent Registration Act? And they say yes. And she says, if this plea deal goes forward with Hunter Biden on these charges today, does that preclude future charges on the Foreign Agent Registration Act violations? The prosecution says it does not preclude them. The judge then asks the defense attorney, Hunter Biden's attorney, is that your understanding that if this plea deal goes forward, there could still be future charges? He says, no, that's not my understanding. And the judge says, are you prepared to continue the plea deal knowing future charges could come? And he says, no. And the deal dies. So here's what we know. This is news. This is actual big news. Beyond the deal dying, 
The investigation into Hunter Biden continues by the federal government. Now, this goes directly to the situation with the House Oversight Committee and its investigation into Hunter Biden and now possibly impeachment of Joe Biden. There appears to be more there there with Hunter Biden when it comes to Burisma and China, something that those of us on the right have long known and people who only listen to the voices on MSNBC have never even heard of. This has got to be a shock to Democrats today. In all seriousness, I I don't say this jokingly. This has got to be a bit of a shock for Democrats today because they were assured this was no big deal by the voices in the media. They were assured by the voices of the media. They were assured by Democrats and Joe Biden and the White House and the New York Times that this is all a political witch hunt. There's no big deal. They've got to be shocked that something like this has happened. The federal judge pointedly asked Leo Weiss, the top prosecutor, if the deal means Hunter Biden would be immune from prosecution for other crimes, including violations related to representing foreign governments. Weiss said no. Hunter Biden's lawyer said by responded by saying then the agreement is null and void. That's the end of it. That's the end of it. The deal has fallen apart. But also, you should note, the judge was concerned about the gun charges, wondering why the additional charges were not there. So, for example, we know at the time Hunter Biden was using the gun, Hunter Biden was using drugs. We know at the time Hunter Biden bought the gun, he was a crack addict. There are no charges related to that. You know, when you fill out the form— you have to say you're not on drugs, you haven't used drugs, you don't use illegal narcotics, and and he said he didn't, so he lied. Now, there's a minor violation there that, that they're treating it as a misdemeanor on some of it, but there were additional, more expansive charges related to use of drugs that they didn't bring. The judge was interested in that as well. And again, just, just step back for a minute. Step back. So the, the big news, the breaking news, if you're just tuning in, it is Eric Erickson here. It's my show, uh, 16 after the hour. If you're just tuning in, the federal judge in Delaware has rejected the plea deal from the Biden. Well, I shouldn't say she rejected it. The Hunter Biden defense team rejected and walked away from the deal with the federal government when the judge concluded that and the prosecution confirmed that Hunter Biden could be charged with future crimes down the road. The defense team believed that this would be it, that if he accepted this plea deal, no future charges could come. Uh, Once the prosecution said they are still investigating Hunter Biden, there is an ongoing investigation. It does relate to his dealings with foreign government. The defense walked away from the deal. All of this is not news really per se to you and me. We knew about the foreign agent. Registration Act stuff. We knew about Burisma. We knew about the Chinese. We knew about the drugs. We knew about the guns. We knew about the tax stuff. We knew about all of this information. But if you're on the left, if you're just consuming your news from MSNBC or CNN, you didn't know. This is taking you as a surprise. This is why it's such a big deal to the media. The media has largely been dismissive of these things. They haven't wanted to believe Jim Jordan. They haven't wanted to believe James Comer. They haven't wanted to believe anybody on the right about Hunter Biden. And lo and behold, it turns out the judge got the prosecution to admit 
there is an ongoing criminal investigation into Hunter Biden relating to foreign agents, exactly the subject being looked at by the United States House of Representatives. Here is Joe Biden from 2020, October of 2020. This is Joe Biden on the campaign trail. He's wearing a mask before a microphone. Okay, uh, Mr. Biden, if I can. Sure. Uh, questions and controversy continues today about Hunter Biden, your son's... Uh, there is no controversy about my son. Dealing. It's Just all a lie. It's a flat lie because the president has nothing else to run on. If you notice, while American people are talking about what's happening to their families, he has no plan. In the debate, he has no plan. Everything from the Wall Street Journal, every other major... The news outlet has said what he's saying is simply not true. Joe Biden, October 2020, when asked about the investigation into Hunter Biden's foreign dealings, says it's a lie, it's not true, it's not happening. It turns out that not only is it happening, but it is the reason today the plea deal with Hunter Biden has collapsed in a federal court in Delaware. Oh, and we haven't talked about last night's shenanigans yet. We will when we come back. Did you know China has made it a priority to teach students financial literacy starting in preschool? Financial literacy isn't taught in our elementary schools, and parents lack the resources to teach it at home. American kids are yet again being left behind. Now there's a great way for parents and grandparents to help the kids they love learn about finance, thanks to The Sensibles. And at bcs-kids.com. The Sensibles are a team of animated superheroes who help kids age 6 to 12 develop smart money habits in a fun way. BCS-Kids.com was created to channel this multimedia resource to kids everywhere. Buy a subscription for your loved ones, and each month, they'll get a Sensibles kit in the mail with an entertaining DVD, comic book, and activities. Digital subscriptions are also available. They'll also get access to an interactive website with a library of lessons, fun activities, and more. Want 20% off the monthly subscription costs? Visit at bcs-kids.com. Enter the promo code ERIC, my name, E-R-I-C-K. It's the sensible thing to do. Subscribe today at bcs-kids.com. Yes, you can. Phone lines are open. There's more breaking news happening right now. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. New breaking news at the top of the hour. The breaking news was the Hunter Biden plea deal has now been rejected by Hunter Biden's legal team after it became clear in open court that the prosecutors still are investigating Hunter Biden and the deal does not preclude future charges. The new breaking news is that, well, in commercial break, the lawyers had time to reconsider and decided, you know, let's just get this plea out of the way. Here's CNN. Hey, Dana. So the deal appears to be back on track. After I was just out here, the um, Biden's team had asked for 10 minutes to speak with the prosecution. They were doing that while the judge was off the bench. Then after a bit of period, they came back, the judge came on and she asked them where they are. So essentially Biden's team is agreeing to the plea deal, but a much more limited in scope deal. Part of the issue here was that the judge didn't understand exactly what this plea agreement was covering because it seemed to be very um, all-encompassing. So she wanted them to really narrow down what it was that was covered under this plea agreement. And so the prosecutors had said that this plea agreement would cover any charges that were tax charges from 2014 to 2019, any drug use charges, because Biden has admitted that he used illegal drugs, and the specific firearm possession charge that is included in this deal. So Biden's lawyers got up and said that, yes, 
they will agree to the prosecution's understanding of the scope of this agreement. And then the judge started to proceed with the usual questioning of Hunter Biden if he was willingly going to enter into this plea agreement, were any additional promises made. So things are back on track, and Biden, Biden is in the process of beginning his plea to this to the tax and misdemeanor charges and then the firearm, firearm offense. Uh, but it appeared it was on the brink of collapse over what the potential scope here and what other charges uh, existed because the prosecutor said that this investigation was still ongoing. And when asked by the judge if it would cover potentially other charges, he said yes. So that was the friction point. But after this break, they seem to be back on the same page. And Biden is going, uh, unless something has happened in the time I've been out here, he's moving forward to pleading guilty to the charges as we expected today. And it was just this issue of what the scope of this included. And it appears that the prosecution is saying very much that their investigation is ongoing. There you have it. So they're now investigating still the foreign uh, interests and foreign relations and foreign business dealings of Hunter Biden. Now, what happened yesterday, last night, was very interesting. Uh, allegedly, a Biden attorney called the clerk's office at the court and demanded an amicus brief from House Republicans, that is a friend of the court brief, be pulled. And the lawyer for Hunter Biden's team allegedly identified herself as working for the House Republicans. So the judge last night at 9 p.m. demanded to figure out what was going on and why sanctions shouldn't be imposed. The judge has been mollified by all sides now that the lawyer... Uh, is essentially throwing the clerk's office under the bus and saying the clerk was confused. She, uh, Hunter Biden's lawyer, did not identify herself as working with the Republicans, just identified it was the Republican brief and there was information that should be under seal. The Republicans say it's already public knowledge. It didn't have to be under seal, uh, but no sanctions were imposed after that confusion last night where even the clerk's office claimed that the Hunter Biden lawyer claimed to work for the Republicans. Um, but the judge was mollified by the excuses overnight. Now, I got to tell you about Americans for Prosperity because they want you on their conservative army of activists, particularly with this fight over Bidenomics and the crazy, insane economic policies of the Biden administration. They're fighting nationally and at the state level for free markets and free people and for deregulation and for an end of government subsidies to dumb industries like, like the solar panel industry and the like. They want you on their side. They want to train you up to be a conservative activist. They are a do tank, not a think tank. That means they get out in the states and they do the hard work of advancing the cause. They don't just sit up in Washington writing white papers. You can go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Sign up with them. They've got 36 state chapters. They're growing in the other states. They want you to be a more effective conservative activist as they gear up in their fight against the Biden administration's economic policies at the state and federal level. They need more of you to get involved to advance the fight for free markets, free people, deregulation, for limited government. Go to americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number, phone lines are open, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, as always, you can text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, and you can get the show notes, the podcast, the social media links and all that. Uh, we will get to the hearing on UFOs uh, here shortly. Uh, I will play you, though, some audio. This is from uh, Day David Grush, 
uh, in conversation with Representative Burchette about the UFO. Has the U.S. government become aware of actual evidence of extraterrestrial, otherwise unexplained forms of intelligence? And if so, when do you think this first occurred? Uh, I like to use the term non-human. I don't like to denote origin. Keeps the aperture open, both scientifically. Right. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, like I've dis- discussed publicly uh, previously in 1930s. Okay. Can you give me the names and titles of the people with direct first-hand knowledge uh, and access to some of this crash retrieval, some of these crash retrieval programs, and maybe which facilities, military bases that would the recovered material would be in? And I know a lot of Congress have talked about we're going to go to Area 51, and you know, and there's nothing there anymore anyway. It's just you know, and we move like a glacier. And as soon as we announce it, I'm sure the moving vans would pull up. But please. Uh, I can't discuss that publicly, but I did provide that information both to the intel committees and the inspector general. And we could get that in the skiff if we were allowed to get in a skiff with you. Would that be probably what you would think? Sure, if you had the appropriate yeah. accesses, yeah. Uh, what special access programs cover this information, and how is it possible that they have evaded oversight for so long? Uh, I do know the names. Once again, I can't discuss that publicly and, and how they've evaded oversight. I. In a close setting, I can tell you the specific tradecraft use. All right. When do, when do you think those programs began and who authorized them? I do know a lot of that information, but that's something I can't discuss publicly. Cause... <laughs> and on and on and on it goes. Can't, can't say anything publicly. Can't say it publicly. Um, we'll, we're, I, I will spend more time with this later, I promise. Uh, I'll, I'll let you speculate on it. I've got my own theories on it. Um, but right now I, I actually, I want to, I want to switch gears here. Uh, and I want to talk about a story. It actually, the, the polling came out yesterday and I didn't get to it yesterday, but it, I want to talk about this. While, uh, aliens apparently love America, the youths, youths of America are souring on America. American patriotism. This is from Axios has faced a steep decline among young adults over the last decade and now sits at a record low. Pride in national identity is lowest among those 18 to 34 and illustrates the fracture between young Americans and older generations at a time of deep partisanship in the United States. In the most recent Gallup poll, Americans 55 and older were nearly three times more likely to be extremely prideful of their nationality than younger generations. Overall, 39% of U.S. adults say they are extremely proud to be an American. Meanwhile, only 18% of those aged 18 to 34 say the same, compared to 40% of those aged 35-54 and 50% of those 55 and older. By comparison, 85% of those aged 18 to 25 in 2013 said they were very or extremely proud to be an American. What is going on? Republicans have greater national pride than Democrats or independents. I can tell you what's happening here. You know, our high schools and colleges have become more incubators of indoctrination than they have educational facilities for education. They indoctrinate, they don't educate. They are more and more progressive. 
And it used to be that this country was viewed with a utopian identity. Thomas More, St. Thomas More for some, Sir Thomas More for everybody, wrote the book Utopia, the, the, the perfect place, the utopian society. And ultimately, utopia is impossible. But the United States has had this view as some sort of utopia. It is a place that people have died to get to. It is a place people have yearned to arrive at, to become a part of, to assimilate into it. But in the last 20 years in particular, the United States is viewed as the place killing utopia. Instead of being utopia for for young white kids, America is the death of utopia because of our carbon output, because of tyranny, because of police violence, because of anything you can think of. Now you have to understand this is there's something larger going on here, and you need to understand this. I I I won't jump back to and read from Tim Keller. Uh, the theologian who wrote about critical theory, but you do need to understand this bit of critical theory. Critical theory is the prevailing orthodoxy of our age, a postmodern time. One of the hallmarks of postmodernism is that there is no such thing as truth. In postmodernity, there's no truth. Everyone has their own truth. And one of the exemplifying aspects of that is that exceptions prove the rule or exceptions become the rule, rather. So the rule is out, and the exceptions become the rule. So in other words, colorblindness is one of the best examples to tie this all together. If you are colorblind, the sky is gray. The sky and the grass are kind of gray. You don't see blues and greens. What you see are, are kind of a muddied gray wash. So if you can't say you, you that are listening to me right now who are not colorblind, you cannot say the sky is blue and the grass is green because that is your truth. But it is not the truth because there are people who are colorblind who cannot see that the sky is blue and the grass is green. Therefore, the sky cannot be blue and the grass cannot be green except to you and to me because I see it that way. But that is my truth. You have your truth. I have my truth. They may be the same truth, but they are not the truth because there are exceptions, and the exception is now the rule. Because there's a minority who can't see it, nobody can claim it to be so. That's postmodernism. Because there are police officers who are violent, we must presume that the police themselves are violent because the exceptions become the rule. The exception is bad police officers. Therefore, the exception is now good police officers, and we're presumed that all police officers are bad unless proven good because the exception becomes the rule. And then there's the other aspect of it. Power. All of postmodernism. All of critical theory is about power. And where does power come from? Power comes from words. So what Orwell was getting at in 1984. Power comes from words. So when I say the grass is green and the sky is blue, 
I am exerting my power as someone without a disability to tell you the way the world is. But if you're colorblind, the world is not that way to you. Therefore, I must be quiet and listen to you who sees the world differently than me because I am dominant. I am the dominant view. I am the view of the majority, and the majority is inherently bad. The majority must listen to the minority. And to the extent the majority refuses to shut up, the minority must silence the majority because words shape reality and power comes from words. Because if I can shape your reality, I can give myself power and take it from you. And to the extent that you speak, you must be silent and let me speak because you have power and I do not. And for me to get power, you must not have power. And for me to get power, that means you must be quiet. Because your words are the dominant discourse. When you say the sky is blue and the grass is green, that's the dominant discourse. It does not mean it's true. It's only true for you. If you seem a little confused, that's the point. To discombobulate you and confuse you about the nature of power and the aspects of power and the use of words to create power and why you who are powerful must be silenced and those who are powerless must speak up because they acquire power the more they speak. And that's why the left is so censorious. That's why the left wants to keep you quiet. But who is powerful in the world? The United States of America. And power is bad when the dominant party uses it. And this is indoctrinated into our children in public schools across America. The dominant discourse defined by the United States. I remember when I was in school, I had a Canadian, a Canadian French teacher. And she was offended that Americans call themselves Americans because she's from Canada and she lives on the North American continent. So she should be entitled to call herself American as well. But because America is so dominant, America means something and no one would ascribe to her Canadianness when she called herself American. They would think she was from the United States and we should stop calling ourselves Americans. We should call ourselves United Statesians. She was a harbinger of what was to come. You put people like that in the classrooms across America, they tell you America, the United States, is to blame for all the world's ills. Our carbon footprint is bad. Our consumption is bad. Our consumerism is bad. Our energy demands are bad. Our role in the world is bad. We are too dominant. We need to be taken down a peg. We are too prideful. And you start teaching kids that. And then they get out of high school and college, and they don't have the economic opportunity that other people have had in the past. They become embittered. Turns out the United States is bad in their mind. They begin to hate. Meanwhile, right now, This isn't hyperbole. This is true right now. There are thousands of people walking up the Pan American Highway through a jungle in Costa Rica right now. As I'm talking, it's happening right now. They're headed this way on foot. 
in six months, they'll be here. They want to be here. It's the white kids, the white kids who don't. It's the white kids who went to the Ivy Leagues, who went to the the, the prestigious public schools, who got indoctrinated. That's happening. They don't like it. What they must do to see the United States and decide that we really are good is they must see us lead on the world stage. And right now we're not leading. We're kind of rudderless. Our leadership isn't presenting a message of success. Our leadership isn't presenting a message of hope for the future. We're we're blasting each other. We're not singing the praises of America with, with one chorus. And we've got the dominance of the left right now in the media and the culture talking about how America is bad when we're actually really good. The the, the kids of today, the, the, the 18 to 30-year-olds, they're not seeing it. That's the problem. They're not seeing it. They're not hearing it. They're surrounded by people who hate it. And our leaders, Republican and Democrat alike, are failing us in that regard to remind people just how great our country is. They need to lead on that issue. And I need to lead you to the Eden Pure Thunderstorm because it's that time for me to remind you you can get three of them for less than $200. And you do so by going to EdenPureDeals.com and put in the discount code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, on the front page of that site, EdenPureDeals.com. Put in the discount code ERIC. What's the Eden Pure Thunderstorm? Well, it's an air purifier, and the air purifier gets rid of the dust and the pollen floating in the air, but it also it also wipes out odors, dead Animal in the wall odors, smoke odors, litter box odors, pet odors, cooking odors, musty odors. It wipes them out. I've got a friend who put one in his car. He smoked a cigar in his car. His wife was furious. He put the Eden Pure Thunderstorm in his car. It wiped out the odors. You can too. You can plug it in with the USB cords. You can plug it in directly to the wall. You get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your travel bag or your RV or wherever you need it. Three for less than $200. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is just my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty, building and loan wherever you are nationwide. They can help your business grow. You reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. Buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, that's what they do. You need $250,000 or more, firstlibertyga.com. Any business in the United States, reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. Okay, can we talk about some of the hysteria over climate change now? Goodness gracious. This is the latest one. The Gulf Stream could collapse as early as 2025. The Gulf Stream carries warm ocean water up towards the European coast, up the North American coastline and across. Uh, It's why Great Britain, though an island in northern Europe, has mild climate typically. The Gulf Stream warm water. And now some scientists say it could collapse in 2025. That's the headline. A collapse would bring catastrophic climate impacts. But if you read into the story, it turns out that most scientists disagree. So they're going to play up the headline and the fear scenario for everybody, but it actually turns out that it's probably not true. The other one you need to know is, did you know that ocean water temperatures hit 101 degrees in Key West, Florida? Well, my buddy Ryan, who's a meteorologist, looked into it. Uh, and what he points out on social media is that this is misinformation, that this is not open ocean water, but a shallow debris-filled lagoon that has in 2017 hit 102 degrees Fahrenheit. It's a very shallow lagoon with stagnant water 
that doesn't move much. It regularly climbs into the upper 90s in peak summer. Doesn't disprove climate change, but it's not where you want to look for signs of climate change because of what it is. And yet the media has played up this story as well. Oh my gosh, the ocean got to 101 degrees. Not really. It was a shallow debris-filled lagoon without a lot of water flow that got to 102 degrees in 2017. The fact that the last time it got over 100 degrees was 2017 is actually kind of striking. We're at 2017, 18, 19, 20, 22, 25 years later. Yeah, I got to do, I got to count on my fingers because I went to law school. But I mean, come on, the hysteria on the climate change stuff, the, the, it, it, there's clearly an orchestrated effort in the media to scare everyone about climate change right now. And they're overhyping stuff and going through crazy scenarios that don't add up. You'd be amazed at the number of environmentalist groups who have now embedded climate reporters, in air quotes, climate reporters, they're climate propagandists, inside media institutions. A lot of left-wing groups got together, nonprofits, and told media outlets, we will pay for a reporter to cover climate change. And that reporter is a left-wing propagandist whose job is to scare the bejesus out of people about climate change to try to convince them that uh, it's a real thing and they need to care about it greatly. Because what they've seen over the years is that a lot of people don't care about it that much. And so the job now is to make them care about it and scare them about it and make them worry about it, and it's causing progressive children to eat bullets. And I'm not being flippant with that. The suicide rate of progressive kids is off the charts these days because they're fretful the world is coming to an end because that's what their parents and their news outlets are telling them, and no one cares about their mental health right now. They want to scare them. It's terrible. When we come back, we got to move on. The Georgia case against Donald Trump apparently coming soon. I want to explain to you what would be involved if it did come. 